Pastor Xavier Reese explaining how God would rather we repent than he deliver consequences. Now, I don't know where you're at. Maybe God is dealing with you about some issues and you're saying, well, you know, I just, uh, more time and I'll just do this and that. It is very possible that you can get to a place where even though you're saying, well, I may turn, God knows you won't and he's already pronounced a judgment on you, the consequences. And that's why if he speaks to us, we must turn. When the word hits home, we better answer the door. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's generally thought that God used prophets in the Old Testament to be a messenger for Him to His people. But what does it say about the religious leadership when the message to be delivered is for the priests? Well, in the upcoming Simple Truths study from our series in the book of Malachi, Pastor Xavier explains God's commandments are expected to be obeyed from the top down. Malachi was God's messenger to proclaim repentance to a rebellious and sinful people in order that God would not have to judge them. But to the priests, God had a sterner judgment because they had the greater knowledge and privilege. And therefore, they had the greater responsibility and accountability. And that's always the case as you go through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. To those that much is given, much is required. God will judge us according to the light that we possess. People are always asking, well, what about the guy out in the bush who's never heard? He has light. Romans 1 says, by creation, by conscience, man is without excuse. And so God will judge man according to the light he possesses. I have no problems with the judgments of God, though I can find some difficulties on some remote place with some person who is out in the bush. God has no problems. And when God judges, we get a couple of glimpses through the scripture. In the book of Revelation, it says, Right on, Lord, they got their just due. Now, when we look at man's judgment and we say that, we know that it's sinful because we want vengeance. But when God judges and we see that judgment so perfect, so accurately, it is a righteous judgment. No one will ever say to God in one, that day, say, you know, you judged me unfairly. Everybody will just have to put their hand over their mouth and be in awe at the judgment of God. And so... We want to look at God's proclamation to the priests. Those who had been given the greater privilege. Those who had been given the responsibility of leadership. One thing you must know absolutely. That when the leadership becomes corrupt, the people will follow. When the head is sick, the body will follow. And when God's messengers... God's pastors, God's leaders become hypocrites and do not live out what they are preaching and proclaiming. It's not long before the people follow in the very same steps. But God will judge the leaders in a greater capacity. Let me read chapter 2, verse 1 through 9, and we'll take a section at a time as we usually do. And now, O priests, 
This commandment is for you. If you will not hear and if you will not take it to heart, to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you do not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuge on your faces and the refuge of your solemn feast. And one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and injustice was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. Verses 1 through 4, we have God's curse against the priest. Notice first the reason for the curse. It's twofold. It says, they would not hear, implying refusal to repent. God is ever warning with one purpose in mind, that people may turn, repent. God does not proclaim some error. God does not point out some fault, just merely to rub our nose in it. But He does it with the purpose that we might see the damage towards ourselves, towards Him, and turn from it. And so, repentance is implied from the very first chapter, the very first verses, as He proclaims His love, and they say, which way have you loved us? They were just rejecting God's love. They misunderstood God's love. And yet here, if you will not hear, if you will not take it to heart, mark it well. The heart speaks of the inner man, who I really am. And yet here they are. They're not giving heed, and they're not taking it to heart. Over and over again, Jesus Christ warned the Pharisees to hear. The church in the book of Revelation says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Over and over again, God wants to sanctify our ear so we can hear the voice of God, so we can give heed to the voice of God. As a matter of fact, the priest, when he was inaugurated and he was brought into a consecrated state, they would take the oil, they would take the sacrifice, sacrifice it, then they would take the blood and put it on his right ear to sanctify his ear to the voice of God. He would put blood on his big thumb, on his right hand, to do the service of God. And they would anoint his big right toe to walk in the ways of God. Sanctified, set apart for God. And here God's cry is, hear, not only with your ear, but hear with your heart. This was the first reason for the curse. They had turned a deaf ear to God and they had hardened their hearts against God. Because they felt that God had not come through. Remember, it had been 139 years. And the Messiah had still not come. 
the kingdom had not arrived. But secondly, they wouldn't give glory to his name. Verse 2. To give glory to his name implies to attribute everything that happens to the glory of God. To acknowledge God in everything that comes into my life because I belong to Him and therefore nothing happens by chance. Now, if you get out in the flesh and you get out in your own sinful decisions, then you're bringing that upon yourself. So don't blame God for your sin. But if I'm walking in obedience and God allows certain things to come in, then I have to give glory to God by drawing close to Him, by obeying Him, and by abiding faithful, knowing that He can give me the wisdom, the knowledge, the strength, the love, and the power. He didn't promise me that I would feel good about it. He said that He would give me the necessary substance for it, though. And I need to understand that. In chapter 1, both of these reasons are very evident. In verse 6 of chapter 1, they didn't honor him as a father. They didn't give him reverence as a master. And he's talking to the priests. In verse 7 and 8 and 14 of chapter 1, they offered the lame a sacrifice, the blind, the maim, the leftovers. And yet these were the priests. Completely against the law. In verses 9 and 10, they were going through motions, still going to the temple. And God says, would to God that one of you had enough sense to just shut the door and quit coming. Because I don't acknowledge you anyway. In verses 11 and 14, God declares the greatness of His name and of Himself three times. You see, they had failed in this. And this is the reason for the curse. They were the ones who had the greater privilege. They are the ones that had the greater knowledge. They're the ones who had the greater accountability. Now, God looks upon us today the very same way as Christians. Those who have been called to serve Him in a greater capacity have the greater knowledge. And God will judge them more severe. God will judge us according to the light. God will judge us according to what we do with what we have. To the man that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin, the scriptures declare. Anything apart from faith is sin, the scriptures declare. Faith is simply obedience to God's word. I don't have to understand it. I'm not called to weigh it out to see if it's convenient for me. I'm commanded to obey. But with that command, there is an ability to obey. Even as a man who stood in the temple with a withered hand, and everybody had their eyes upon him because they always identified Jesus with the person with the greatest need. And they said, as soon as he comes in, he's going to pick that guy, and we'll be able to charge him. It's the Sabbath. And so Jesus walked in and said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? He turned to the man with the withered hand. He says, stretch forth your hand. Now, he could have said, Jesus, don't mock me. It's impossible for me to stretch forth my hand. I've been like this since my youth. Or he could have obeyed and trusted God. And when he stepped out in faith, God would meet him there. He chose the latter. 
and his hand was restored. You see, as you and I look upon our lives and situations and whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, we always look at, at a terrible situation or somebody else's and we say, oh, if that would have me, I would never. That's right. Not at that time. But if God has that for you, right when he has you there, he'll give you the ability, the strength. You say, I can never forgive my mate if they committed adultery. Well, not now thinking about it. But if you're walking with God and it happens, then God will meet you at that place. And so therefore, it's foolish to think of situations that haven't arrived. For one, you limit the Lord. And for two, they may never happen. We don't know. But God is faithful. And we're to commit ourselves to Him as a faithful creator in the context, Peter says, is in our sufferings. It's easy to commit ourselves when things are going good. But it's in our sufferings that we're to commit ourselves to Him and give Him glory in every way. And so, God will never ask you or myself to do something unless He gives us the means and the resources to complete it. I don't understand that. But just as I know if I go to the wall and I turn on a switch, electricity will come on, light will come on. I don't understand how it gets from the power source of the switch, from the switch to there. But I know that if I turn that thing over, light's going to come on. I don't understand many things about the spirit and the spirit world. I don't understand many things that God tells me in the word on how they work. I don't understand the intricacy, but I do understand what he says, and I understand that he cannot lie. And he brings it to pass. But God has never called me to follow him by understanding. He's asked me to follow him by faith. And yet, we have to be careful lest we think that Christianity is intellectual suicide. God forbid. Get a concordance and look up all the words that say think, mind, understand, know. You will be amazed. Look at the extent of the curse in verse 3. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuge on their faces, the refuge of your solemn feast, and one will take you away with it. God pronounces a curse on their blessings. The end of verse 2 there. On their blessings, knowing they would not repent. Yes, I have cursed them already. Why? Because you do not take it to heart. God, knowing all things beforehand, knowing the end from the beginning, He could see that they were not going to repent, and He pronounced the curse. He says, I have already pronounced the curse because I know your heart, you're not going to turn. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe God is dealing with you about some issues, and you're saying, well, you know, I'll just, uh, more time, and I'll just do this and that. You know, it is very possible that you can get to a place where even though you're saying, well, I may turn, God knows you won't, and He's already pronounced a judgment on you. The consequences. And you deceiving yourself, thinking, well, I'll have time to repent. Well, I'll knock this off next week. Then God already sees that you're not going to. You've gone so far that you become a, a slave to that, and all of a sudden, He's going to give you up to it. See, I don't know that. You don't know that, but God does know that. And that's why... If he speaks to us, we must turn. When the word hits home, we better answer the door. Because God deals with us on a daily basis. Not a weekly basis, not a monthly basis, not a yearly basis. Day at a time. All I can take is one day at a time. I don't know about you. 
The curses here is, you can find it in Deuteronomy 27 as well as 28, some of the curses there that were promised to Israel. Those are never for the church, those are for Israel. You can find some similarities and some counterparts in the New Testament, but don't let anybody take you to Deuteronomy 27 or 28 and make those promises and cursings for the believer, like a lot of the positive confession teachers do. That's off the wall, out of context, and out of line, and downright dishonest. That's for Israel, that's the context. Notice that God would reject their descendants who followed their example in verse 3. God would reject them by defiling them with the animal's bowels and inners so that they would be removed along with all the things that were to be taken outside the camp and burned. And so He would reject them. He would not only not accept their offering, but He would not accept them. In Exodus 29, 14, Leviticus 4, 12, it speaks about taking those those things that were uh, rejected by God and taking them outside the camp and then burning them outside the camp. He says, you'll be taken along with all that refuge. You'll be as one defiled before me. This is the extent of the curse. To those who would follow their example, and that's one of the greatest damages about our lives is that our lives are not to ourselves. Our lives affect others. There's no greater illustration than you being a parent. You know, you try as hard as you can and you do, you, Lord, help me. And, you know, and then, you know, as you move on and, and as your kids start growing up, you see that as hard as you try, man, your kids pick up some of your stupid habits. Some of your faults. Jesus got down on the scribes and Pharisees. He says, because you, he says, you guys are hypocrites because, you know, you guys go across the land and see to make one proselyte. You go through great lanes. But by the time he's done, and you're done, he's twice worse off a child of the devil. Not because they didn't teach the right thing, but they didn't live the right way. And your kids see you a lot louder than they hear you. And people see people a lot more than hear people. Unless the two come together, then people will follow the example. And so this is where God really gets down on them. The purpose of the curse is in verse 4. That you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. So first of all, two purposes. To know that it was God who had brought the curse upon them. Not some coincidence. The word commandment here is synonymous with the curse found in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2 there. For he says, And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. And he gives the warning, and then he says, I will send a curse upon you. The commandment and the curse are synonymous here. He wanted them to know the purpose for this curse was that when it came to pass, they would know that God had spoken. It wasn't some coincidence. It wasn't something that just happened. But it was God's direct intervention of judgment upon their life. When God brings something on our life, He wants us to know that it's directly at His hand in chastening. So that we don't discount it as coincidence. If you're a child of God, there are no coincidences in your life. You remember when uh, Ruth went to the field of Boaz and she came back and told her mother-in-law, Naomi, oh, it just happened. No, it didn't just happen. 
God directed her. God had his hand upon Boaz. And if you're a child of God, nothing happens by coincidence. Nothing. Not positive, not negative. Even if you are the innocent victim of some horrible act, some betrayal, though you may be the innocent victim, nothing happens by coincidence and God has you there to represent Him as His messenger. God will take care of you. You will know God in a greater sense than others have ever known Him through your sufferings. Paul recognized as he wrote to the Philippians, I want to know you, the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings. For what purpose? That I might be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ and that I may obtain to the power of the resurrection. He wasn't talking after death. He was talking resurrection to live, the power to live out the life of Christ, to be conformed daily into the image of Jesus Christ. Somehow we have a message of no problems in Christianity. I like to find that in the Bible. I'd like to find it in a church, if people are really honest. <laughs> because we live in a very depraved and evil world. And we are very depraved and evil people. Jesus told his disciples, if you, speaking to his disciples, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. He called them evil. You see, we don't stand a chance apart from Jesus Christ. And so he wanted them to know it wasn't just coincidence, but secondly, to cause others to repent that the covenant of Levi might continue. You see, in the curse coming along, then those who would pay heed, if they turn, then the covenant of Levi would continue and would be perpetuated by those who repented. The scriptures are very clear. Paul tells Timothy, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may fear. It is a radical, it is an extreme, and it is probably the last step that must be taken. But if it is, then it must be taken. That if I have to rebuke somebody openly for the sake of the rest of the people or the body, I will do it. I've never had to. But I will do it. Paul the Apostle makes this very clear even as he wrote to the Corinthians. Remember when that kid was sleeping with his stepmother. And he says, hey, cast him out. I'm not present, but as if I'm present, I've already put him out. Turn him over to Satan. Expose him. Excommunicate him. That others may learn. May learn. And sometimes that is the only way that people turn. Sometimes you will see something happen to somebody and that will turn you around because it comes close to home because they're your close friends or they are your loved ones and it turns you around. Look around the body of Christ and learn from those who fall. Learn from those who make great mistakes and look at their consequences and maybe that will be the only way that you're going to turn. But if that's the last way you'll turn, then thank God before it happens to you. So God says, I'm sending this curse that those who see it come may repent, that the covenant of Levite may continue. And they may repent and come back to what I call them. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, explaining how God goes to great lengths to get his people's attention. Simple truths he draws from our study of Malachi chapter 2 today. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Of course, there's much more of this message to come right here next time as well. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply The Sins of the Priest. It's available on CD for only $4. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Sins of the Priest or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 